0: Hey everyone, Patrick here. I am so excited our series, The APAM Conversations, was named a finalist for the second annual Signal Awards. To celebrate this, and as part of our campaign to try and win this thing, over the next 10 days, I am re-airing the series in its entirety. I hope you enjoy revisiting these incredible conversations I have with these amazing guests. And if it's your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy them as well. After you listen, please cast your vote. You can find the link to do so in the show notes on IG at Conversation pod piece, or by going to our website, ConversationPeacepod.com. Without further ado, here are the APAM Conversations. Hey everyone, welcome to Conversation Peace with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where my guests and I discuss what pieces of the conversation we aren't talking about, but should be. A special shout out to all of our returning listeners, and a high five and hello to everyone new who's joining us for the very first time. Thank you very much. The month of May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, or APAM, and it's meant to celebrate and reflect on the history and peoples that make up our beautiful diaspora. As part of that reflection, this month, I'll be sharing nine conversations with friends and folks I greatly admire in the community as we discuss those missing pieces of the Asian-American conversation, what we know, what we might not know, and what we can do about it. These are the APAM conversations. My guest today is the lead career coach and founder of Warcap, a company that has helped thousands of people get hired and paid in careers that they love. He's also a LinkedIn top voice, and his work has been featured on The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, and LinkedIn News. With over a million followers across social media, it is an honor and my pleasure to welcome Shoduan to the podcast. Hey, Show.
1: Hey, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Again, uh, greatly appreciated, and appreciate you being part of this series. Um, for any listeners who might not know you, I know you gave you just a little bit of an intro, but uh, do you mind telling people a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah and it's cool that we can connect now Patrick, right? We met we met a couple of months ago when I was on another podcast and you were helping out with that. So it's cool that I can now be on your show. Absolutely. So a little bit about me. I started career coaching and my company Warcap in 2019. And when I started, it was just me posting on LinkedIn saying, "Hey, I, I these are some tips for interviews, these are some tips for resume, these are some success stories I've had with the with a few clients that I had back then." And now it's been four years, we're on a lot of other social media channels, um, and things have been great, man. I, I, I'd I say a lot of my background, um, I use a lot of what I've used for my corporate experience, so that's recruitment, that's HR, that's management consulting, and that's kind of what I use in my day-to-day to coach my clients to getting their ideal careers.
0: Love it. I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, it's really good to reconnect. Because when I first connected with you, when you were uh, guesting on Dear Asian Americans, I was just getting into like the short form video. And I was just getting out of recruitment. Almost. I was on my way out of that, even though i had been in it for a little while. And so it felt like The alignment was there. And ever since then, like you have been one of the biggest inspirations for me in like the consistency of content and putting stuff out and also bet on myself, like when it comes to approaching brands for deals or whatever it might be, as we work to monetize whatever this podcast is currently. So I just want to say thank you before we got started, because um, having met you has been a huge inspiration to the work that I've been trying to do. So thank
1: you, you, man. Dude, thanks for those words. Yeah. Excited to get excited to do this with you.
0: Absolutely, man. So as I said at the top of the show, the one, one of the things that we're doing for this series is specifically talking about the conversation pieces that we are not talking about when it comes to Asian America. And when I sent you the forum and you filled that out, I thought you wrote down something pretty interesting, which is trying to teach other Asians and Asian Americans how to stand up for our own worth and get paid for it. So I was wondering if you could kind of go into that a little bit. Uh, obviously, the work that you do has a lot to do with that. But I was wondering if you could explain a little bit um, where your head's at with that.
1: Yeah, happy to. So that is probably my, um, the number one request that most of my clients reach out to me for. Yes, they want to be happy at work. Yes, they want to find a career that, that, that gets the best out of them. But almost everyone comes in saying, hey, I don't think I'm getting paid what I'm worth. And what can I do to get paid that market value or even higher based off my skills and experiences? A lot of my clients also happen to be Asian. Um, Some of them are Asian-Americans. Some of them are originally from and still live in in Asia, live in Hong Kong, Singapore, a lot of clients from all over the world. So that's just what I've been seeing throughout my coaching years, even when I was in HR and recruitment, is that a lot of Asian-Americans don't necessarily have the or were taught the skills. To negotiate um, uh, because i I think they do know, hey, if I get an offer i I know that I should do something with it is I shouldn't just accept it and, and say yes and, and move on, but they don't know the exact process of how to approach it w- what should you do with the counter offer how do how do you tread delicately with the situation? There's things that we weren't really taught in school that that's everybody, not just Asian Americans, but I think just in general. And school doesn't school doesn't really teach us, but especially Asian Americans, I think it comes from our parents and maybe theirs, parents and their parents, sure uh, of of not trying to um, ruffle the feathers of the corporate world of like take what you can get, hey, stay there, head down, work hard, and then you'll be okay. I think that's that's kind of ingrained in a lot of us. So that is uh, a lot of the work that I do is 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 seeing where their where their limiting beliefs are about getting paid and and their worth and giving them the tools to be able to negotiate that higher brand deal, that higher uh, salary, the higher sign on bonus, all those good things.
0: Absolutely, was that something that you grew up in your household like? understanding and, and knowing and having conversations about with your parents? Or do you feel like your experience fell in line a little bit more with the typical Asian American, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a engineer?
1: That's a great question. I definitely had some of the latter when I okay. was growing up and, and I don't blame my parents for this. I mean, they, you know, they wanted the best for me. And what the right. best was at the time, what they knew was be a doctor, be a lawyer, <laughs> uh, get your MBA. Uh, so all, all these things are good advice. But as I've gone older, and as I've, I've tried to do my own path, my parents were actually very supportive of me doing mm. what I wanted to do. So the first big change that I chose for myself was being a business major. Even that alone, where all my cousins and my sister bio and you know public health, all, all these um, all, all these things that they know. But when I chose, hey, I want to do business. They're like, yeah, do it, do it. So when I was going to in as a as a student and as I started my corporate career i was kind of the first in my family to do all of this to get mm-hmm. an internship to work a blue collar job to work a white collar job like it, it was all it, it was all new so i didn't really have them to ask questions like hey should i negotiate this what, what is what's a typical what's a typical salary for this kind of position um and i think that's me doing the research on my own and me reiterating and like, oh, trying new things and failing and succeeding in some, I think that is what has set the foundation for me being a career coach. Now I've been, uh, you know, I've started negotiating probably my first job offer and every single job offer, I probably negotiated it. Not always successful, but I always Hmm. tried. I always attempted. I was like, Hey, you know, is there anything that we could do about this? Can we get more vacation days? What are the hours? I, I I think it was a little bit of naivety. I didn't know that it was appropriate to ask. (laughs) <laughs> I think it worked in my favor because I was young. And they're like, hey, we like this kid. And he's he's, he's trying to do things that I he, think he's read about. Mm. So I, I think that worked in my favor. So now that I have um, a little bit more experience under my belt, um, now I've realized the the biggest hurdle for most people, especially Asian Americans, is just asking.
0: Sure, <laughs> just absolutely. <make> you ask. <laughs> I I mean, I resonate with that advice so much because growing up, I was totally afraid to ask. Like, I wasn't afraid to get in the interview, and I felt like I could always interview well. But when it comes to, like, moving up that ladder or understanding what it means to grow in your career, I think for whatever reason, I was just super timid. And I was adopted, you know, I grew up with white family who also were like, go get it, like, go do your thing and support me in that way. But for some reason, I felt like there was always something holding me back. And it was hard to ask for those things when... In hindsight, it's like, oh, they probably may have, you know, supported me in that, in in the uh, from a an employer perspective, from a manager perspective. Yeah. As you were cutting your teeth and going through school and then and then getting your first jobs out of college and doing these things, developing your career in HR and other places, did you feel like you noticed that being Asian or Asian American had you at a disadvantage in any way, or were you really like? I'm just trying to make it out here and survive as just a post-grad kid. Like, it, like, being Asian has nothing to do with it for me. Like, I'm just out here trying to get that money.
1: If I'm just honest with you, Patrick, I don't think I've ever thought about me being Asian in the corporate world. Okay. Uh, until I got more into it. Like, I think when I was just breaking into these companies... I worked at some really cool tech companies. I worked at Lyft. I worked at Western Digital. I worked at Sony. That was during my school years, and then my first job out of college, I was doing management consulting at Ernst and Young in New York. When I moved to New York, that's when I felt my Asianness. That's when I thought, okay. kind of, "Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm a my minority in this big corporate conglomerate." Mm. But when I was in my college years, and in my internships, and in my early work experience. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in um, a city called Redlands, California, and then I I when I went to school, I went to UC Irvine. So there's a lot of Asians, especially in Irvine. It's like mm. majority Asians in the school and especially in, in the in the work setting as well. So I just felt like okay, like I'm I'm kind of like one of everybody else. Sure. It was when I moved to New York and I saw the, the teams that I was in and my managers and uh, all those things about being in corporate America that did I I then felt like, oh, yeah, I, I, am, a, I am in a minority here. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I ever felt like it held me back. I okay. don't know if it ever held me back, but I, I, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. Um, I will say just as a whole, though, it was my colleagues that were not Asian, that were definitely more outspoken, uh, seemed to be more confident, um, more easily asked for the projects they wanted to work on or the type of work they wanted to do. They were less afraid to give feedback, receive feedback. Mm. Um, and then when I moved over to Asia to do my – then had my own corporate experience in Asia, I noticed, hey, that's actually the, the – what, what I noticed in New York was also similar in Asia where people in Asia are also less likely to give feedback, less likely to receive feedback, maybe a little bit more timid. I think a lot of it does play uh, – of our culture does play a part into this.
0: That's really interesting. And – you know, like, like I said, you know, I never went to the levels that you have reached, but even in my own experience, like even coming from communities that had maybe not the audacity, but the brashness to, to not feel like I shouldn't ask for this, but to like really go after and chase it. Like even for whatever reason, like I kind of internalized, like maybe that wasn't the route for me. Um, so I think it's interesting, you know, that you were able to not only go in that and notice it, but not have it affect you in the way that it's like, this isn't going to be a hindrance for me. Like this is just something that I see happening in happening in the periphery as I'm moving forward in in my direction. And I think what's interesting as well is as you've grown in this career and as you've started WordCap is that, like you said at the top, most of your clientele are Asians or Asian Americans, like folks who are trying to figure this out. And so as somebody who has kind of figured it out for yourself and then is passing that knowledge on, how do you like, what's one of the things that you share with folks from our diaspora about, like, standing up for yourself and to go after getting that extra 10K or whatever it might be uh, in the career that they want to do? How, wh- like, what do you go, like, what's that conversation look like?
1: You know, in an earlier question you asked, Patrick, you're asking, hey, how did your parents help you with the salary negotiation aspect, right? How did they help you in, in your career? Um, so I said at that time, I couldn't go to them because they didn't know some of the nuances of, of corporate America, where you said your parents were like, yeah, go, go get paid, go get the salary, right. go do that. But you know what my parents did do? They might have not known how to ask, or they might not have known how to negotiate and bring in a, another offer and use it as leverage, <laughs> and all those things, me and you, the recruit, <laughs> recruiters sure. and ex-recruiters that, that that we know the game of, but what they did always say from the very beginning they just said, you're the best at what you do. Mm. You're the best. Even at this, you're the best. Even when I was starting off, they're like, you're the best at this. That has <laughs> always been ingrained in my head. And it's kind of funny now that we're sitting and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm back here visiting my parents. <laughs> so it feels a little funny to be, to be reminiscing about this while they're next door. I don't know if they're listening. <laughs> um, but that's just something that they really ingrained in my head very early on. You're the best at this. Keep going. So that is what I pass down to my clients. Mm. You need to know your own worth first before you can make that ask. So before I even give them the salary negotiation scripts to my clients, before I even give them, hey, maybe you should think about getting another offer, see what offer you can get there, and then go back to company A and say, hey, you have another offer. Is there any way you can expedite the process? All these little things you can do. You can't execute it well enough until you know what you're worth, Till you know that your skills and experiences are so unique that they need to pay you to get you. Mm. Because if you, don't, if, if, they don't, if you don't accept the first offer, they're still going to want you. They've invested all their time and energy to recruiting you. They know the things of the, the value you can bring them. They're going to go higher in, the, in their offer. And if they can't, they're going to let you know up front. They're gonna know while you're having that conversation, they're gonna like, we really like you. Yeah, we can't do salary, but you know what? We might be able to do a sign-on bonus. We mm-hmm. know like, we can you can do sign on bonus, and we can also maybe have an earlier review period. But it starts with these candidates, our are Asian Americans and everyone else, knowing right. their value, knowing their worth, and being able to ask for certain things.
0: I really love that. Um, because I feel like that 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 quality of worth or, or like that idea of self-worth can be really difficult to grasp sometimes, De- especially depending on, you know, cultural on context or the communities that we grew up in, whatever the case might be like to really understand that, like, Oh, I am worth it to go after this is, I think can be really elusive for a lot of people. Um, especially for people from our community, from the Asian American and Asian communities. Um, when you're relaying like you are the best at what you do to folks do you find that there is that barrier like that cultural barrier of like well i'm asian so i already am thinking of myself at a lower like standard or quality or worth than what is is even the baseline is that something that comes up a lot
1: dude there's a big barrier with a (laughs) lot of clients i'm probably the first person as your coach to tell them hey you're Mm. really great at what you do your skills and experience are so valuable. You gotta ask for that. You gotta ask. You gotta do this because you're so good. I'm probably one of the first people in their lives to tell them that. Which, you know, it makes me feel. Uh, it makes me feel a little um, empathetic. It makes me feel a little bit of sympathy. I'm like, man, um, if people have been to- telling you that from the get go, you'd you'd be here and you'd be going after this career and, and getting paid what you're worth already. But, you know, everyone goes through their own journey and, and people need um, the affirmations when they need them, right? So I, yeah. I feel like I, I, that's, that's kind of my role as a coach is when they join up my, for our programs and when they, when they sign up to work with me, I'm going to be their cheerleader. Yeah. Um, and I actually do think maybe sometimes that is even more valuable than me giving them the specific tips on how to do their resume and interviews and negotiations. Sometimes they just need a cheerleader. Sure. Cheerleader who knows the game, a cheerleader who 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 has been through it, but it's the it's getting past the limiting beliefs that you have that you have set for yourself of mm-hmm. saying I can only get a fifty thousand dollars job, and I I'm, I know other colleagues are getting seventy thousand, but I I don't have the skills for that. It's getting past that limiting belief, or getting past the limiting belief of but I've been doing accounting for ten years, I don't know how to be a senior finance manager, I don't know how to pivot into. Into financial modeling, let's just say, it's those limiting beliefs, those those voices in their head that tells them you can't do it. It's it's hard for you. It's easier for everybody else. Those are ones we got to break first. We got chop them down and then rebuild new ones. Mm. We actually do that for everybody who's listening, who's interested in in doing some of that work. We do that with being aware. What are the limiting beliefs that you're having right now? Mm. And I can just say from my own experience, you know, e- even though my parents were always encouraging and always giving me affirmation, saying I'm the best at what I do and keep going, there's still limiting beliefs that I had. It, it's, it's natural. It's, it's part of being human. So some of the limiting beliefs that I had when I went into management consulting was, hey, I didn't go to a top 10 school. I went to a good public university, but you know, it wasn't Harvard, it wasn't Columbia, it wasn't these amazing schools. Will they accept a non-target university? That was a couple of limiting beliefs I had. When I moved over to Asia to work, I was like, hey, I don't speak the language. Right. Will they promote me to management if I can't speak to my own people? I don't know if I, can, if I can go get through that. But all of these are just limiting beliefs that are holding us back. It's when we can be aware of it, number one. That's step number one. And then two, rewrite them into something more empowering. So you look back. I look back at my past. I'm like, wait, I've been in other companies that accepted me. Hey, I'm sure this company will accept me as well. I have been a manager in this role and I succeeded and I got really great feedback as a manager. I'm sure in another culture, they'll start to see my worth as a manager there too. So when, you, when you're when you aware and then you make those, you, you, you change those beliefs, then you just have to practice it. I am affirmations, read it in your journal, write about it. You want that to be your new identity. Then you can move on and get go after the things that you want.
0: I absolutely love that. I think that again, like tied to the self worth aspects, but like just being aware of the of those self limiting beliefs first is so powerful and crucial. Like, I'm sure in your work, you've seen the light bulb moments of like, you have some you ask somebody that question, like what self limiting beliefs do you have right now. And they're like, they list them. And like you said, it's probably the first time that they've ever even thought of that. And then, you know, as you said, that second step is really rebuilding those things. And as a coach, you know, you come out with them with affirmations and support and knowledge, and that helps them build that. And I feel like I I feel like that's I see that a lot. Whenever you share like a, a DM or something that somebody has left you of them like, show, I just got this job, or I I asked for this raise, and it worked out. And something that I've found on LinkedIn is I found other folks who particularly work in the recruiter space, who share messages like that, who do something similar to yourself. And it makes me think about how important it is to have a support like that. Like you said, maybe somebody just needs a cheerleader. They don't necessarily need the tools. Like they probably already know, but they've never had anybody in their corner who's constantly giving them like that, the positive affirmation as opposed to like tearing them down. And so like, like like that support system is so, so important. And I think one of the things for us as Asian Americans is, and, and just Asian people in general is we really just anybody in general we need support outside of our own community to do so and and to really help us achieve where we want to where we want to get to you know the pinnacle the mountaintop the zenith whatever it might be do you have advice for folks outside of our community and how they can best support specifically i guess from our community but just anybody who doesn't identify in the same ways as they do support those folks as they move through their corporate career ladder
1: yeah that that's a uh... That's it, it brings me back to so many memories of great managers I've had that supported me early on in my career that didn't look like me, mm. that didn't sound like me, that didn't come from a background like I did. I, I've been talking about my parents a lot, which has been obviously instrumental in me finding my worth and going after the things that I want to get go for. But just being in corporate, I've had some amazing managers that really pushed me to do things that I might've felt a little uncomfortable for. So Mm. one of the, one of the, probably my favorite manager of all time, her name was Jennifer Maddox. Jen, if you're listening to this, (laughs) I miss you. Thank you for everything. (laughs) (laughs) She was one of my first managers at EY. And we worked on a really cool project together and it was a big team. We worked on a project with Simon Sinek. So Simon Sinek is the, the, the start with why the golden circle guy, huge on YouTube on tech talks. He's, he's amazing. During that project, I was I was one of the only Asians on the team. I think mm-hmm. there was maybe a team of ten to fifteen people. Maybe there were two or three other Asians. And one thing that Jennifer did, Jen, the, the manager I was talking about, one thing she did, she asked questions. She was like, "What do you guys do for lunch? Hey, is there anything new you want to try?" We were in New York, so so it did mm-hmm. help that we had a lot of options. But I remember very very distinctively we had a. We had another colleague from Korea. She, she was working in Chicago at the time, but she, she's originally from Korea. She flew into New York for the week to do some training and to do some work with us. And Jen, on one of our dinner nights, said, "Hey, Song, her name is Song. What, 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 where do you want to go for dinner? What do, what do you guys usually eat in Korea?" And she's like, "You know what? I haven't had Korean barbecue in a while." So we took Jen. She's this white lady from Denver. <laughs> never had Korean food. I, mean, I think she's had Korean food maybe before, um, but you know, it's not, it's not an everyday thing for her, right? we took her to kbbq she tried some 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 kimchi we tried some soju we had we had some other <laughs> korean side dishes we, we we flipped the meat and she tried she tried learning how to cook the meat just her being open to it and asking questions and just being so curious and and generally interested it, it just made my me respect her so much more and as my manager she was my manager I was I would go at bat for her any any time. It was even mm-hmm. before that, but after that situation, I was like, man, I would do anything for this for this lady. If she needs me to work late, I'm going to work late. If she needs me to w- pull on something over the weekend, I'm going to do it because it's Jen. I know she's not doing it just. To, I know she's not asking just to ask, but she really needs it. I'm, I have her back. So for everybody who's who's listening and who might not look like Patrick and I, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, but there, th- I think it's about. Uh, accepting the other person and really being curious about their culture and encouraging it. Because one thing that Jen could have done would be like, Oh, yeah, it, it smells weird or I'm not used to it. Right. Now. Let's go somewhere else that we're, but we're right. all people with, but no, she's like, Hey, let's do it. Let's try it. So it's that openness that I, I really respected.
0: That's amazing. I it's, it always amazes me to hear stories like that. And thank you again for sharing because it's like a little bit of empathy goes such a long way. And like that, or those instances, but particularly that one really set a foundation within you. It's like, I'm going to do this for do anything for this person. But also like you had talked about at the, at the beginning, it's like you meet people with a little bit of empathy and like working with other people. It helps you see them and see other things that you might not, um, through the work that you do. And it goes a long way again, going back to these reviews and and these messages that you get from folks that you work with, like you're changing lives. It's not Mm -hmm. just the fact that, you're helping them along to get where they want to go. But like you change people's lives at the end of the day. And a lot of that starts with just seeing that person, not mm-hmm. only being their cheerleader, not only giving them career advice, but being like, I see you. Like, let's go. Let's go from here. Let's figure mm-hmm. out what's, what the self-limiting beliefs are and let's build from there. So I think that's absolutely amazing.
1: Thanks for that, Patrick. I mean, you know, when, when you're talking about the impact of my work, that's sometimes hard for me to grasp about changing <laughs> people's lives.
0: Sure, and, sure, sure, sure.
1: And and maybe it's just more me feeling. Oh well, you can't let it get to your head. You gotta you know stay level headed. Because you know the work that I do, I help people get new get new jobs, be happier at work, get paid way more than they were getting paid before. All of this is so rewarding, and it, it does impact their lives. It does change their lives, and they have told me and and <laughs> everyone's so so great. And I have the best clients in the world. But you, you know it's kind of funny, Patrick. Even though I'm their cheerleader. It's sometimes hard for me to hear from them. Sure. It, it's, it's interesting that I'm like, you're the best and you do great and this, but when they give it to me, I feel, oh, I, I don't know what to do with this, um, with this feeling sometimes and I don't know how to accept it all the time. So I think I could also be better at accepting it and embracing it and, and just letting the feeling sit in. I I, I don't know wh- where this came from. I think maybe also from, from our upbringing to stay humble and, sure. And and <laughs> like, give give thanks, give gratitude, but in terms of receiving it, we're not really taught that. Right? Right. and then I can I can say from my own personal experience. Um, so thank you for for acknowledging that, man. I, I appreciate your kind words. Uh, and I, it's it's a sign for me to get better at receiving these compliments too.
0: Absolutely. Well, I yeah, you're very welcome. It's well deserved, and I do apologize if I made you uncomfortable <laughs> by being very hyped about just the amazing things that you do. You know, sometimes. That's one of the best things I like about being a podcast host is like I am the cheerleader usually of everybody who I have on the show because I know them or know of them and I've been a fan of them for a while, and so it's really easy for me to sink in and be like I'm gonna just affirm you so hard right now, <laughs> and people are like, all right, that's a little bit too much, but <laughs> um, but I mean I, I do stand by that the fact that like you said people you've had people say it to you, but like you do change people's lives, especially when you help them. Like, I think the two things you listed, like being happy at work, I think it's life changing because like, I don't know, or I know a lot of people who have felt their life change because they found a job they're actually happy at and they want to do. And then two, like, not to lean on the money aspect of it, but like to like, that's life changing. $10,000 could be life changing, but like 50,000, that's like, that's a life changing amount of money, like from a salary standpoint or from a bonus standpoint or whatever it is like, you know, and like, You've been in the in in that in this industry for a while, so it's like it almost is like you see these things happen a lot, and in that, I think that can probably play into it too. It's like you see it happen a lot. It's like that's great, and you're on to the next person, but also you know sometimes you have to sit in and be like okay, well, I did just help 30 people like make a collective uh, $800,000 yep. more and they're, and all of them are happy now. Like they are exuding or showing happiness in their career path with the choice that they made, even if it was hard, even if it was difficult, you know, yep. and that's life-changing stuff. So
1: it's, it's the best job in the world, man. It's the best job in the world. I, I love what I do.
0: I absolutely love what you do as well. And I appreciate you sharing about your manager, which is a great segue into as we as we get ready to wrap up here. Who are you learning from right now? Who's inspiring you in the community? Who are people that, uh, or one person that you're looking up to and learning a lot from at the moment?
1: Dude, I I don't mean to say this just because I'm on your podcast. Meeting you, you are one of the very, one of the the first people I've met from your situation. Mm. You're you're, you're adopted and you learn later in your life about about your heritage and you're going all in about learning all you can. Dude, I love the stuff that you're doing, man. Um, I, I found you through Jerry, right? Through Jerry Wong, who's, who's an awesome proponent of all the things that we do. So big shout out to him being the ultimate connector he is through through chance. Right. But it was, if it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't have known your story. I wouldn't have known if I'm just being honest, uh, people like you who have been in your shoes. Uh, recently, I also met with um, another creator named Dan, a.k.a. Dan, Yeah. Who, if you know him as well, has a very similar background. He was adopted, and he found his roots later on, and just an incredible story. Um, a couple other creators that come to mind, I, I have been a big fan of Vanessa Lau for a really, mm. really long time. But one thing she did recently, which which is kind of completely against any business practice, she just took a really long sabbatical, and she's currently still in the sabbatical. And she posted about it how she was saying, hey, I'm burnt out. I'm going to take a break, and I want to reevaluate the kind of business I, I want to grow. I so respect that. I yeah. so admire that. And that's something that I'm trying to learn to do as well. It's in our fourth year. We have a growing and growing team, amazing people who I work with we want to do this and I want to start a YouTube and I want to do a podcast. And there's this project that I haven't done that I want to do. There's so many things I want to do and I, and and I will do, but I think I could also learn to kind of step back and be like, but what is the life that I want to live? Mm. And if I'm honest with you right now, Patrick, the life that I live right now is life that I've always wanted. So sometimes I wonder, well then do I want to change it? Do I want to go for more if it means changing my life? I think ideal situation for me is to, is to stay at my, at my optimal state of happiness while obviously bringing in revenue and helping as many people with my team and other people, of course. But I don't know if I want to grind just for the sake of grinding. Sure. And, and that's, that's a conversation I've been having with myself a lot and my therapist and my life coach and all these great people. But that's something I've been thinking. What, what is the meaning of the grind if I'm not happy in my day-to-day? So maybe I should take some advice that I tell my own clients <laughs> about. <laughs> hey, sometimes it's not always gr- grass not always green on the other side. Sure, uh, there's just a couple of people in in my head. You, Jerry, Kate Dan, Vanessa Lau, um, just amazing people in our space who are just lifting each other up. Man, yeah. I just love how the community really just shares so so freely. And hey, you're down there. I'm gonna pull you up. This is all things that I know. I love that about our community. I love that about um our, our friends yep. And I feel like us creators we're friends like we, we if we see each other we're we're gonna we're gonna have a meal we're gonna have a beer um so i I just love that about our community
0: well. Thank you for sharing again. I really appreciate those words about me. I'm going to take a page out of your book and be uncomfortable with the compliment. <laughs> I, was, I was not what I was expecting, but thank you very much. That means a lot. Love Dan Matthews. Uh, learned a lot. have learned a lot from him. Been very lucky to be able to hang out a few different times. Love Dan. Glad that you've connected. Jerry, obviously um, everyone here knows how much that he's meant to me. Uh, we would not know each other. Had we not, um, had I not even been out there to help with the podcast at that yep. time. So, that's amazing, Jerry, the ultimate connector, as you called him. And Vanessa, I don't know Vanessa personally, but have followed her on LinkedIn. And when she dropped that announcement, I do feel like it was like people were like, "What?" But it's amazing. Like, but because it's not something, it's so out of the norm, so completely opposite of what we would expect someone in that position to do. That it's like it's it's one of the best things that could possibly happen because it shows there's another avenue that you can take, and it's got you thinking about stuff like that. So. Absolutely amazing. Thank you for not only sharing those folks, but for sharing those words about myself. Um, again, very humbling, very honoring uh, to hear that from you. Last question before we close it out. How do we best support you?
1: Thanks, man. Thank you. I, I, I would say just if I can help you, that's that's supporting <laughs> me, right? <laughs> but uh, I post daily career videos on Instagram and TikTok at WorkCap. But you know what? There is something that that, the listeners can really do. I have just launched a YouTube where we're now doing full length videos. We're Mm. dropping our first video this week, Uh, depending on when the podcast is out. Maybe there'll be a couple of episodes or a couple of, a couple of videos uh, on the YouTube, but you can follow my YouTube at work and just uh, give some comments, subscribe, do all those fun things that, that, that'd mean the world to me
0: that it congratulations that's really exciting i know that you i feel like i've seen you've been doing a little bit more of the long form so that's really exciting to have that launch yeah. soon yeah, um, thank you, people are listening to this i believe it'll be in the second week of may so hopefully you have a few videos out yep. um yep. but yes we will definitely do that um so thank you again so much for not only sharing parts of your story and parts of your career journey with us and the work that you do, but for just giving me the time to sit down and be part of this, this series of the APM Conversations. It really means a lot to me. Thank you.
1: Thank you, brother. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely, man. Um, for everybody out there listening, you can find links to everything that show is working on, including the YouTube stuff down here in the show notes. You can also find me or us at Conversation Podpiece on Instagram. And if you do feel inclined you can leave us a rating or review on any of the podcasting sites that would be greatly appreciated and we very much thank you for that and if you're interested in supporting the show in the future feel free to hop in my dms or visit my website patrickintheworld.me until next time i am patrick armstrong and this has been conversation peace thank you show thank you my friend